Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. And yes, there is more creepy shit in my living room right now. And I know you might be thinking, well, what's the big deal? You're a paranormal guy. You're supposed to have creepy shit in your living room. But you see, it doesn't quite work that way. I know that the phenomena that we're talking about here is real. Okay, I know that objects have energy. I know that things can become possessed. And so, you know, after doing this kind of work for 27 or 28 years or whatever, I mean, you get to the point where you're like, yeah, okay, I this is real. So now I have to be very particular about what I bring into my inner circle. And so I'm like a magnet for it. Everybody says, "Oh yeah, yeah, give this to Josh. Yeah, this is this is messed up and creepy and weird. Give it to Josh." But um I really do have to be careful, especially when it comes to what I put in my personal home. And usually, of course, when I get things, they end up in my home for a little while before I figure out where they need to go. Do they go to the Asheville Mystery Museum in Asheville, North Carolina? Do they go to the Creepy Vegas show here in Las Vegas? I mean, I have a number of different places where I can send things. Does this belong in the islands to, to paranormal Puerto Rico? You know, And so, yeah, usually I spend some time with these things in my house. So I now have two creepy-ass dolls sitting in my living room right now. If you follow me on Twitter, and you certainly should, then uh, you will see a photograph of these dolls one sitting in the other's lap. So let me explain a little bit more about why I have these dolls, where they came from, and what the backstory is. You know, of course, that Darren Evans is one of my really good friends. He is not just a demonologist, he is a zemonologist. And I've interviewed him on this program. He and I have been on ghost adventures together. We did an event together. I mean, uh, a UFO thing here in Vegas. I mean, we We've done a lot of stuff together, so you ought to know who Darren Evans is. And Darren just recently was on the Travel Channel. He was on a program called A Haunting because he was brought in to investigate a haunted doll called Norman. Norman the Haunted Doll. I laughed the first time I heard it. I was like, okay, we're getting too many haunted dolls now. We have Norman the Haunted Doll. Uh, but actually, okay, the, there's a book written about Norman. I haven't read it. It's called Norman, the Doll That Needed to Be Locked Away. And uh, yeah, Norman's a spooky looking little guy. I believe he was made by Mattel. And so Darren, of course, he, he went on this show. He did this Norman investigation, and that opened him up even more to people who are into creepy dolls. And of course, one of our friends is Mr. David Weatherly, who wrote this wondrous book called Eerie Companions, A History of Haunted Dolls. So, you know, haunted dolls are kind of swirling all around us. So Darren contacted me and said, you know, I know Halloween's coming up. You have some big things planned with Creepy Vegas. And he's, he, he's absolutely right. You know, I have the big fundraiser coming up on September 7th. And uh, he was basically saying, you know, I have some dolls here that I think you might want to put into your creepy Vegas show. And I go, oh boy. So, not not one, but two dolls. Okay, two dolls. 
So I met with Darren, and he breaks out these dolls, and one of them is a Raggedy Ann doll that looks very similar to the real Annabelle. People often do not understand the history of the real Annabelle doll. For one thing, you know, Ed and Lorraine Warren came across the Annabelle doll. And again, I always have to say there's no relationship between myself and Ed and Lorraine Warren. They were great people, but no relation. And so Ed and Lorraine had a museum in New England, I think Connecticut. Um, and they had this creepy haunted doll that was supposedly responsible for at least one murder. Uh, or, or I'm sorry, not a murder, a death, a death. We'll call it a death. It could be a murder if you think the doll did it, but we'll call it a death. And um, it was just a Raggedy Ann doll named Annabelle. And so, of course, that inspired the Conjuring spinoff movie Annabelle in which they completely reimagined the doll and made it look much creepier. But the, the authentic Annabelle is just a Raggedy Ann doll. And uh, the reason I say that you know they, they had that museum is because last time I checked, the museum is, is not accessible. The Warren's Occult Museum um, is looking for a new home. Uh, my understanding is it, it just got so popular that there is like a zoning issue and, and they needed to move it somewhere else. So anyway, Darren had this Raggedy Ann doll, a big one. You know how the old Raggedy Ann dolls were big. He had one of these big Raggedy Ann dolls and then a little doll that looked just like Norman with a plastic head. And, uh, and the big sort of shifty looking eyes. And he told me a little bit about the backstory. But I said, okay, fine. I, I got these dolls. I put them in my house. I said, write me an email to explain more about the story behind these dolls. Here is the email that Darren Evans sent me. So... He says, I got a call one day from my mom earlier this year saying I had a package arrive. And by the way, Darren lives in Oklahoma. Uh, or, well, he lives here now, but he's from Oklahoma, so I'm assuming his mom is probably in Oklahoma. He says, I got a call one day from my mom earlier this year saying I had a package arrive. I told her to open it, and this creepy vintage doll was inside. A follower had sent it after hearing about Norman the Haunted Doll. Okay, so this is this is a doll that looks just like Norman the Haunted Doll. It is it is an authentic vintage Norman style doll. But actually when we researched it, I think Lauren said that he was called Maddie when Mattel created this doll. But this is a real version of, of the Norman doll. So, a fan sent this doll to him, right? So he goes on to say, I told her to relabel it and send it to me. Before it would arrive, however, I hear the news that my brother was found dead one room over from my mom. The package was lying in his room. Oh boy. 
So anyway, he goes on to say, Upon its arrival, I was told that a shooting had occurred inside my new apartment in Las Vegas and someone died. I unpackaged the doll and set it up on the kitchen table immediately and did a spirit box slash paratech session along with a creepy wind-up music box. I was filming when immediately the paratech device says music. I ask its name and you hear the name Barry come through. He says um, it also had the name uh, Sally House come through which of course is considered one of the most haunted homes in the history. So anyway, he goes on to say there have been lots of intelligent responses that have come through with this Norman clone doll in a very similar manner to the investigation we did with the actual Norman. And interaction with this doll is on my YouTube page. So he's basically saying, look, maybe, maybe there's something to this doll because it's an exact clone. It's like an identical twin. They have the same DNA, right? They were cranked out on the same machine. If Norman is some kind of an antenna for energy, well, then this is an identical antenna. Okay, so let's look at the other doll, the Raggedy Ann doll that looks very much like the authentic Annabelle that was sent to him. He's just calling this doll straight up Annabelle. He says, Annabelle was given to a church donation center by a homeless person who said they found her sitting upright by a palm tree next to the establishment. A worker described the homeless person as an old lady in her 70s who had a walker and is seen in that area limping around, always carrying dolls and strange objects. It is unknown whether this doll is haunted, but the kids and I have noticed that every time you see her, she's in a different position or location. The old homeless lady felt the church center should have her. Hmm. Okay. So that's what we know about these dolls. And of course, I have them right now in my living room with a variety of instruments around them and I'm studying them for a while and I've been saying that when we do the Creepy Vegas fundraiser for the Nevada SPCA which is a no-kill animal shelter here that's doing renovations and all that um, I'm gonna bring some special stuff for the Saturday September 7th Creepy Vegas and I think that would be a really good time to bring along these dolls and debut them so thank you Darren Evans for um, giving me the opportunity to own these very energetic and spooky items and uh, we'll just see what happens I mean uh, already I've gotten some pretty wild results so I'm just kind of keeping you all updated on, on how, how this is working out but I have plenty of other stuff going on. My goodness, you can imagine as the fall uh, uh, is approaching, there is a lot happening. And a lot of people like to release new products when the fall is about to hit. Uh, just yesterday, I received a copy 
of David Icke's brand new book called The Trigger. The Lie That Changed the World. Who Really Did It and Why? Now, you know David Icke. He is the famous, many would say infamous, conspiracy theorist from England. And, you know, the thing about David Icke is that he became famous for promoting the idea that some humans are shape-shifting reptilians. And he still talks about that. And, and I interviewed him on my Speaking of Strange show and posted that as a bonus for you on Joshua P. Warren Daily. So if you didn't get to hear that, you can go back and listen to it. But he is just really an all-out conspiracy theorist. And this particular book... And I mean, this book is not technically going to be released, I don't think, until September 11th. So I'm, I presume one of the first people to have this book. Uh, it has the, the Twin Towers burning on the front. And uh, again, it's called The Trigger, The Lie That Changed the World. Who really did it and why? And uh, this is a very uh, tough subject for people to, to think about. And, you know, my friend, the late and wondrous Mr. Jim Mars, he spent a lot of time looking into 9-11 theories, and he wrote about that, and he talked about that, so I'm familiar with it. And yes, it's it's an irritating subject, um, but I, I got this book, and I'm telling you, this thing is almost a thousand pages long. This is the thickest, heaviest book I have seen in years. I can't, I can't even imagine sitting down and putting this much content in a book. This thing is heavy. You could kill somebody with this damn book. And so I, I don't want to get into this type of disturbing you know, subject matter uh, that 9-11 was orchestrated by powers other than than the ones that we associate with the mainstream report but I do want to point out um, a couple of interesting things about this book and, and, and you know I'm, I'm not being um, paid to promote this or advertise it I mean there's no sponsorship thing I'm just telling you this is one of the things that's on my mind because he said, oh, I got this new book coming out. You got to read it. It's going to explain everything. And I started reading it. But it's one of those things like, it's going to take a while to get through this. So anyway, I always think, and I know the authors may absolutely hate this. So I try to be respectful. I, I, I think that when you get a book that's of this size, and you think to yourself, I don't even know if I'm going to live long enough to make it to the end of this book I like to go and read what's the first thing that you have to say and what's the last thing but you don't want to you don't want to spoil it you know so I want to read you something from the the beginning of this book and then from the end of it and again I love David Icke I don't agree with everything he says and I think that he's gotten even more uh outrageous as he's gotten older which is understandable but I am interested in his point of view okay so do not take this as an endorsement but when uh, 
you open the book and you and you, you get past all the title pages and stuff. The first thing he gives us is a quote by uh, the famous Nazi henchman Hermann Göring, and here is the quote that he chooses to start the book with. Why, of course, the people don't want war. Why should some poor slob on a farm want to risk his life in a war when the best he can get out of it is to come back to his farm in one piece? Naturally, the common people don't want war, neither in Russia, nor in England, nor for that matter in Germany. That is understood. But, after all, it is the leaders of the country who determine the policy and it is always a simple matter to drag the people along whether it is a democracy or a fascist dictatorship or a parliament or a communist dictatorship voice or no voice the people can always be brought to the bidding of the leaders that is easy all you have to do is tell them they are being attacked and denounce the peacemakers for lack of patriotism and exposing the country to danger. It works the same in any country. So that's how he begins the book with this quote from Hermann Goering. And then he gets into how, look folks, I don't care if you associate with the right or the left, ultimately it's the same strategies that are being used. Uh, being utilized here and uh, it, it kind of boils down to what it always boils down to divide and conquer right so he ends the book after again almost a thousand pages and here's the last line of the book I'm sorry David Ike if you don't want me to read the last line of your book but I'm going to the last line of the book is enough I'm sick of the bullshit So, yeah, it's going to take a while to uh, hammer through this one. The trigger, the lie that changed the world, who really did it and why. And he also, in the beginning of this thing, um, has a quote by George Orwell, of course, who wrote 1984, which really gets into Big Brother and all that kind of thing. And... This show is not a show, uh, this podcast, you know, is, is not a, it's not a political podcast. You get enough of that crap all the time. And so I always try to avoid getting into politically oriented topics. Um, for one thing, I'm not the best informed person in the world. And uh, secondly, again, you know, it's it's uh, overdone out there. You have too much of it already. But here is something interesting to think about. And I'm just giving you this because this is what I'm thinking about. When it comes to the idea of an Orwellian state in 1984 and Big Brother and all that, we... We live in a world right now with the internet and the convenience that the internet provides in which it is very, very easy for a company or a government or an individual for that matter to just take someone's privacy. It's very easy. 
but that does not mean we should. And this is, I guess it goes back to ethics and, and morality. It's like Jurassic Park. Just because we can bring the dinosaurs back to life, does that mean we should? Just because we can Frankenstein a little human baby to a lion, does that mean we should? I mean, yeah, you could go out and do all kinds of crazy shit right now, right? You could go out. I don't even want to say it. You could go out and do violent things. You could do self-destructive things. But you don't do it because you don't have a desire to do it. And you don't have a desire to do it because it's not natural. And it's not natural, meaning it's not ethical or moral, right? So there are things that you can do that you just don't do. I mean, we could destroy this whole world right now with nuclear bombs, pretty much. We can, but we don't do it. So we can take people's privacy, right? And the thing is, you don't even have to take it directly because you and I, we voluntarily are just giving away our rights for convenience. It's like, well, if you want to have the convenience of getting this information or this entertainment or this opportunity or this service, we'll just click the agree button right here. And, and, and that's why we all experience the same thing. We talk about it all the time. You go and you look at some product that, you know, occupied maybe 30 seconds of your time and now all of a sudden this product keeps popping up and ads for you all the time when you go and look at other things now what does that tell you it tells you that there's something very specific that's being honed in on you and and and, and what's the solution you know how do you get around this in Europe they've been much more stringent about saying no no we are not allowing people to just automatically take other people's information you have to click an additional button saying you agree and so people they're sitting around they're looking at the internet they finish their dinner they've had a glass of wine whatever and and they go to the website and they're like yeah, yeah okay whatever boom and it just it, yeah yeah I, I agree i agree i and you and you end up right back where you were all the European thing did was force people to have to click another button, another annoying button. And that's because we're lazy. I mean, but but imagine imagine tomorrow if we said, you know, I will not give up my personal data to be a part of your company. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do We won't do that because we're we're too lazy. So that's why we are supposed to have representatives who look out for us. That's the idea, right? So when you consider politics, I mean, forget all the party line crap and just say, who is going to look out for me the best? And try to figure out you know, <laughs> how how to do these things that you can't figure out it's like i don't have to figure out all this shit 
this person represent let that person figure it out and of course you get into the um the sad story about like well good leaders don't want to be in politics anymore because you see what they have to go through so look i understand the conundrum that we're in here right now and i'm not going to pretend that i can sort all this out for you but what i will say is that we yeah we'll just voluntarily give up our rights on the internet it's almost like how it's so easy to spend money on a credit card because it's just yeah here's my plastic versus pulling out your wallet and taking out cash and putting it down it's easier to spend money on 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 the plastic because it doesn't feel as real to you it's the same thing when you get on the internet and you're just clicking accept accept okay okay permission permission and we're just going to do that that's just who we are that's part of human nature and so we we have to depend on our representatives to start looking out for us in that regard because we can't do it ourselves we can't do it you can't put the fox in charge of the hen house you know you don't put you don't give an alcoholic a job as a bartender right i mean we have to rely and put pressure on our politicians to say hey this is a system where you know we have people out here who are just looking for convenience and you're taking advantage of them and uh and you're manipulating them and in fact when it comes to this idea of using credit cards here's something that i think is a really interesting tip for you you know in 2002 steven spielberg one of the greatest filmmakers ever he released this film he directed starring leonardo dicaprio it was called catch me if you can and it was based on the true story it was like a biopic the true story of a man named frank abagnale jr who is now 71 years old and he was an extremely effective like a shockingly effective con man between the ages of 15 and 21 as a matter of fact here is the um the intro to his article at wikipedia frank abagnale jr born april 27 1948 is an american security consultant known for his background as a former con man check forger and imposter while he was between the ages of 15 and 21 okay so i'm going to pause for a minute think about that this guy and if if you've not seen the movie you need to see this movie it's a really good movie it has tom hanks in it and uh christopher walken's in it but it's 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 a fantastic film and it really is sort of amazing to see like they took this young guy who was so good at manipulating the system and then they gave him you know he he served time and all but then they gave him a job working for the fbi busting criminals so anyway it says he became one of the most 
notorious imposters claiming to have assumed no fewer than eight identities, including an airline pilot, a physician, a U.S. Bureau of Prisons agent, and a lawyer. Now, imagine this, folks. This guy's between the ages of 15 and 21, and he actually pulls off these roles. A pilot, a doctor, a lawyer. I mean, he pulls that shit off. Uh, He escaped from police custody twice. Before he was 22 years old, he served less than five years in prison before starting to work for the federal government. He is currently a consultant and lecturer for the FBI Academy and field offices. He also runs Abagnale and Associates, a financial fraud consultancy company. Abagnale's story inspired the Academy Award-nominated film Catch Me If You Can, starring Leonardo DiCaprio as Abagnale and Tom Hanks as the FBI agent pursuing him. Uh, And then it says it also inspired a Broadway musical and um, a TV series called White Collar. So anyway, why am I bringing this up? Well, his story is an incredible story. And if you go to YouTube, there is a presentation that he's giving. And it's been a while since I've watched it now. But it, it was, I think he was giving it to the staff at Google. And it was just a really interesting, straightforward presentation where he says, uh, you know, here's my story. You know, you've probably seen the movie but I'm not proud of the stuff that I did and you know what I am proud of is being an honorable man and a father and blah 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 but then then he he, he's he's very sort of militaristic about getting into the details of how he sees life working and he gives a tip which is kind of surprising but it makes a lot of uh, sense he said, don't ever use your debit card for anything. And I have had problems when I've used debit cards. Like, for example, one time I rented a car using my debit card. And they charged it something like 13 times in a row. So, it it was a huge amount of money compared to what it was supposed to be. And it took months for me to get that rectified and to get that money back. So, I mean, when you give somebody your debit card, if things go awry, I mean, they actually can go in and take all the money out of your account. He said, I only use a credit card. And this is, you know, this comes from a master check forger and, you know, imposter, etc. He said, only use a credit card, which is, is bothersome because credit cards are potentially evil. You know, if you get a credit card, it's a temptation because it's like, oh, you have this much available to you. And so... 
the natural human tendency is to abuse it. But if you can control yourself, he was saying your best bet is to get a credit card and use it for everything. Use it for everything. And then every month, pay it off. Okay? Pay it off 100% every month. Don't ever go above what's available. Because he said, if that credit card gets fraudulently used, it's not hitting your actual bank account. The credit card company has to go in, and they will deal with it as an intermediary. But nobody is going to have direct access to your bank account. If you give somebody a debit card, they get direct access. And they can take out as much as they want, and then it's going to take you forever to get it rectified if you get it rectified so as tempting and evil and horrible as the credit card mentality can be he says and it does make sense if you can use a credit card use it and just make sure that you still have the self-control to not overspend and you just spend exactly what you know you can pay back and it's funny because Yesterday, I was walking up the steps here at my uh, my complex here where I have my condo in Vegas, and I saw a receipt, and I picked it up, and it was for a bottle of Clorox bleach, and it was charged to an American Express card for $1.40. Now, personally, I would feel like a real asshole if I went to the grocery store and used my credit card to pay for something that cost $1.40. But look, that's just, I mean, technically, it's a way of keeping track of everything. It might make expenses more easy to, to, to calculate and bookkeeping is better and all that kind of thing. So that is maybe one little interesting tip that I can give you. And again, this is really Frank Abagnale's tip from Catch Me If You Can. But it does make you think about the fact that we are shifting more and more into a cashless society. Going back to, to David Icke's work, you know, we're talking about the mark of the beast and Big Brother and all that kind of thing. But you have to just ask yourself, am I going to be a part of all this or am I going to go and live in a cave somewhere? And, and, and some people do that. Some people are able to pull that off. What kind of life do you want to live? Well, that said, a couple other things I'll tell you about. Um, for one thing, you might remember that I am working on a project to create a device that will repel mosquitoes from biting humans. Okay, this does not destroy mosquitoes. It doesn't do anything invasive. It doesn't mess with the ecosystem. All it does is prevent mosquitoes from biting humans. And I have been thinking about this for many years. I contacted Ronald Heath, who of course is my friend, the engineer who created the DT meter in California. And he built a special test device for me and for a while I was working with a man named Sav who is um, a listener of this program and I consider him a friend I haven't heard from him in a while but uh, 
he was uh, working with a company that was very interested in in what I was doing but uh, turns out he'd been there for 16 17 years and then uh, all of a sudden he took a job somewhere else so it's, it's like all these weird little hurdles have been thrown to the way well guess what I have a new opportunity here to get this thing back on the tracks and I'm gonna pursue this and uh, every time I see uh, a TV news segment about somebody who is suffering because of a mosquito-borne illness it re-inspires me to get my ass out there and do what I think and and you know needs to be done in order to experiment with this so get ready for some new information about that soon and, and I'm, I'm telling you if, if I come up with something that's helpful it will be a big uh, attribute when it comes to how we view paranormal research there's a direct connection so I'll explain that if and when the time is right the other thing I want to tell you is that you know I love to experiment with things and being in Las Vegas I love to experiment with stuff that might help you increase your luck now does that sound ridiculous does that sound like a scam okay well fine if it does but there is this legend and you you probably heard some version of this before the legend of the lucky eight okay you have numerologists like Glennis McCants who talk about this on coast to coast AM but it goes beyond that because the number eight is actually the infinity symbol and there is a legend about the number eight being inscribed on a lucky wooden chip and I'm gonna read you right now a version of this an old mountaineer named Danny found if he carried a wooden chip inscribed with a number eight he would somehow attract money and fortune every day no one can explain this but you can try for yourself with this lucky wooden chip handmade by locals if you buy it as a gift for someone good luck will follow that person forever and you're thinking what is this okay that's a that's a real legend and so my dad Danny is a woodworker so I used his name and uh, we have started creating these things called the lucky chip and I did this first as a test and I started winning so much in the casino if you want to see pictures of how much money I have won at the casino with the, the lucky chip right there next to the payout uh, go to myluckychip.com go to myluckychip.com because honestly that's what Lauren and I have done uh, we, we, we would take the lucky chip it's a wooden chip it's, it's, it's like a wooden casino chip with a little leather strap on it and you take it to the casino with you and uh, you hold it in your hand or you, sometimes I even push the button with it and like I say go look at the cash out vouchers for yourself um, myluckychip.com so for a little while my dad and I are gonna make these and uh, they only cost eight dollars and eighty-eight cents a piece but but for now they are only available 
as a wholesale product. So if you have a shop of some kind or you have you know any kind of a retail space, go to myluckychip.com and look at this and then you can find out how to contact us if you're interested in carrying some of these because I'm really interested in seeing if this is going to work for everybody the way it's worked for me. This is a brand new thing. Uh, and as a matter of fact, if you have a shop that's near a casino, oh, yeah, you're going to get some really interesting stories. And, and a lot of people will want to buy these for, for $8.88 a piece. MyLuckyChip.com. All right, my friends. Well, you know, here we are coming up on Labor Day weekend, and I have got a ton of stuff to do. So that said, I doubt I'll be leaving another podcast for you until this weekend is over with, but I want to remind you now, Saturday, September the 7th is our fundraiser for the Nevada SPCA No-Kill Animal Shelter. If you go to the Creepy Vegas Ghost and UFO Show. CreepyVegas.com CreepyVegas.com Maybe I'll see you there. Maybe you'll even get to meet my spooky little dolls. But this particular podcast, of course, is called Joshua P. Warren Daily. And if you go to JoshuaPWarren.com you'll find a lot of interesting stuff there in the Curiosity Shop. I promise you that. But at JoshuaPWarren.com, you'll find a link to this podcast. It's always short, always free, independent, uncensored. And if you click the link to the podcast, you can subscribe through various means or just follow me on Twitter, at JoshuaPWarren, at JoshuaPWarren, and I will tweet when a new one is available. So that is it for today. Thank you for listening Thank you for your interest and support. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon.